0: You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric DeSoap here, continuing our Teacher Appreciation Week series. The last day of the week and the last set of episodes dropping. Excited to be joined by 2019 New York City fellow, Milan Reed, is here. We'll catch up with her, hear about some of her teaching adventures back in the day and also what she's working on now in education. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, Milan, what age kiddos did you work with when you were a classroom teacher
1: four and five so kindergarten
0: and was that your choice initially i know you did tfa did they place you there or was that something you you wanted how'd you end up with the little ones
1: it was my choice i wanted little ones um (laughs) and fell in love and stayed in teaching kindergarten for four years actually so i taught longer than my tfa commitment
0: and what do you feel like people misunderstand about the art of teaching kindergarten
1: Oh, man, they they're like, oh, what do you do all day with kindergartners? And uh, we do a lot. First of (laughs) all, it's the foundation of learning. Um, But really, you know, I I felt like as a kindergarten teacher, I was almost like a like a Broadway star a little bit. Like you had you had to entertain um, your students, you know, make sure they're actively involved in learning learning. and, and make things exciting for them. I think like that's where, you know, they start building a love of learning. So you, you need to kind of put your all into teaching and being an educator. Um, so that, you know, that, that first couple of years of experience of school really um, builds the path forward for them.
0: And not in the classroom presently, but what do you feel like your your approach or your uh, intellectual skills would have gone to in terms of lesson planning? as you think about distance learning for five-year-olds, how does that even work in your mind?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a mixture. I think, you know, distance learning is, it's it's definitely challenging for younger children. Um, and I think the practice that we've, you know, been trying, especially in early childhood in New York City, is a little bit of both. So, you know, how can, can younger children interact with their teachers remotely um, or, you know, social distantly? Uh, and that could be through a read-aloud or you know, walking them through an activity, um, but also having moments where they can do that active play, um, the active play engagement type of activity and work uh, that's also engaging. So, you know, with younger kids, they can't be in front of a screen at all times. They kind of need a mixture of both. And I think that's the biggest challenge right now facing educators uh, in the early childhood phase for sure.
0: Do you think we'll see any permanent changes to the school schedule in the sense of how many days kids are actually in a building? Do you think we'll see some longer lasting uh, uh, changes where sometimes, yeah, kids are just doing distance learning at home for Fridays, either as a way to uh, avoid coronavirus or just as something that maybe we feel gives a little more work-life balance to families or, or might be uh, a more sustainable approach for teachers? Any, any thoughts on some of the long-term changes that might come from this?
1: Yeah, I mean, so interesting to think about what the future holds for education. I mean, we could—I could definitely see school happening in shifts, so that you have smaller classrooms. Um, I think it—you know—it depends on the community, right? Like, not every community, you know, has the ability to have a child stay home, especially if both parents are working or guardians are working. If—if if we're able to, you know, go back into the workplace um, by the time school starts, so. It will depend on you know where each school system is located uh, and how we can, A, serve the needs of children, but also serve the needs of their families as well.
0: And then once you left classroom teaching, I know you stayed in education sector and working with schools. What kind of work do you do now?
1: So now I'm in ed policy. So after teaching for four years, I went to grad school. I studied public policy with uh, an urban policy focus, um, and then from I taught in Newark for four years. And so... Uh, went to New York City and uh, have been at the Department of Education ever since. So a little bit over two years now.
0: And did you have any preconceived notions of the New York Department of Education? I feel like that's uh, a bureaucracy of potentially all bureaucracies. Has it turned out the way you thought it would? What kind of things surprised you?
1: Yes. I think, um, you know, everyone says the NYC DOE, it's massive place, and it is. I mean, we serve 1.1 million children, over 1.1 million children, Um I mean, there's just no agency like it, but I love it. I think within the division that I work in, it's early childhood. We, um, you know, grew and expanded under this current mayor and the work has been really exciting. Um, You know, we've we've been tackling different challenges as they come year by year, expanding early childhood access to families, uh, you know, to be able to have free uh, preschool access for their children Mm -hmm. in the city, which is a it's a huge thing um so I've really been enjoying it and kind of having the policy lens of thinking about you know how are we going about these challenges every day with ensuring that we're meeting the needs of the community that we serve
0: one of the challenges out here in LA is you know a lot of folks have tried to raise the uh, professional stature I guess of early childhood ed preschool teachers you know it's not the same kind of credential the salaries are usually less as well and it, it there's tons of talented folks working in that space, but it has you know I think led to a public perception of of seeing schools start with kindergarten. And when you see uh, collective bargaining talked about for for teachers or you're talking about teacher strikes, it's it's usually starting at that age rather than maybe starting at ages three or four or four for TK and for preschool. Is that the same for New York? What's the teacher licensing background or like maybe what's the perception in general of of pre-k teachers in that part of the country?
1: I mean, I I think they're definitely getting more recognition, especially as preschool begins to expand in the city. Um, You know, as a kindergarten teacher, you see firsthand that there are gaps, you know, in kindergarten of children who are coming in already knowing how to, you know, write their name. They know a few sight words. Um, They're at the beginning stages of reading. So, you know, really focusing our attention on early childhood, um, specifically in New York City, I think has proven to show um, great outcomes in children um, as they continue to go through the education system in the city.
0: When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about life in New York, education, all sorts of those topics on this Sunday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Zag. We'll be right back. All right, Milan, how'd you hear about NLC in the first place?
1: Oh, good question. Uh, I had a couple of friends from grad school who had done the program, um, and they put me in touch uh, with NLC. And you know, I I went to a couple of their events prior to applying. I knew, met a ton of the people who've done the program. They're all doing great work in the city. Um, So yeah, I guess about two years prior to applying, I learned about it.
0: Yeah, we always like having either current teachers or former classroom teachers. We feel like it adds a nice wrinkle to policy discussions uh, education is such a big topic out here as it is out there uh, you know do you see or did you see during that time is there the same kind of debates and arguments about traditional schools versus charter schools or, or just you know what the right school choice model should be that those kind of things come up
1: uh, during NLC? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I think so. There were a couple of us who had education backgrounds and who were former teachers. I think there's always that debate of, you know, what is a good school? You know, what is it public schools? Is it charter schools? Is it, it's a private schools, you know, what qualifies or, you know, what makes a good school. Um, and I, I think in both areas, right, you, you've seen schools fail and you've seen schools thrive. Um, I had the experience of working at a very successful um and and great charter school for four years that really built who I am today. Um and I would say that charter school was amazing. And I would also say public schools within that same district were amazing. So mm-hmm. you know, I we definitely talked about it. And I think we often walk away with there are good schools and there are bad schools in both scenarios. And it's about how can we learn from the good schools or the schools that are are thriving um, and share those best practices across. Um,
0: you know, the different programs. Yeah, and then NLC the applications for the 2021 fellowship, which seems like a million years from now because every day is is longer than the last day. But if we ever do get to January 2021 and have new new fellows, uh, you know, what kind of uh, messages would you want to put out there for folks who might be considering doing the program or or what do you feel like is the, the kind of right profile for somebody to, to uh, consider putting their application in?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, definitely apply. If you are interested in civic engagement, if you are just, you know, you, you're at, at a different phase in your life looking to meet new people who are actively involved in public service or really interested in getting involved, I think NLC is, is the right spot. For me, it was, a, it was a great opportunity to meet people, you know, outside of the education field, the public, like the traditional public service field, since I work in city government. Um, and just get to know folks who are lawyers, um, you know, who are entrepreneurs um, and are tackling challenges in different ways. Uh, it was a great, great environment to, to learn and grow with, you know, 19 other people um, who are, you know, like-minded in some ways, but also very different. I think it was a challenging program. It was a fun program. Um, I loved my co-directors. And I, I highly recommend You know, if you're interested, definitely apply.
0: Yeah. So you can find the application and all the information at our website, newleaderscouncil.org. Make sure to check that out. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can also check out past episodes that we've dropped this week featuring alums in education. We've got classroom teachers. We've got folks working uh, on policy. We have people working on mental health aspects related to kids and families, all sorts of interesting angles about education. Check those out. Get those in all the places you find your podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. They're all there. So until next time, we'll catch you soon.